artist's local benefactor and his own patron in early life. In it, he imagines the likes of Romanianus at the height of their public careers, putting on shows never seen before in the amphitheatre, including blood sports with those African rarities, wild bears. Their names would be listed in municipal tablets, where they would be accompanied by the details of each honour in their career. As the patrons of Tagaste and neighbouring towns, they would uphold their interests with Roman governors and officials. The crowds would acclaim them as philanthropic and generous in return for the shows they financed. In a recently found sermon, Augustine deplores lavish donors who refuse to break bread for Christ and yet leave hardly any bread for their sons, having bankrupted their families by their extravagant displays. These shows included gladiatorial combats long after Christian emperors' laws had supposedly banned them. The settings for them were the games which were still given in big cities by the sacerdotales, the holders of non-Christian priesthoods in honour of the ruling emperors, as if the pagan worship of emperors had continued in the Christian empire of Constantine and his sons. It continued only because Christian intervention had ensured that the honours no longer involved the offering of animal victims to the emperors as divine beings. Augustine refers Romanianus to the mosaic floors in grand people's houses, and indeed they are our most vivid evidence of their worldly culture. They show symbols of the circus arena and its beloved chariot racing. They depict teams of horses captioned fondly with their individual names. They outline scenes of hunting, both in nature and in the enclosed spaces of the city's amphitheatres. In the great city of Carthage, big mosaics in townhouses gave a splendid but stylized impression of the country life which their owners enjoyed in large second homes on their rural estates. The finest such scenes adorned a floor in the house of one Lord Julius, shown in mosaic with the domed roofs of its private baths. Hunters set out for a day's sport. Julius rides to his house in grand official dress. Items from each of the four seasons are offered to him and his wife. Roses and jewellery are brought by servants to her ladyship. Grapes and a hare are presented to Lord Julius, and he is handed a scroll inscribed with his initials, ensuring that viewers will recognise him. These mosaics do not show country life or landscape for their own sake. Always they relate them to rich landowners and their families, the mosaicists' patrons. On some of them, hunters and horsemen appear against pillared loggias and big fortified houses set in country estates. Towers are shown on either edge of the house's high facades, pierced by windows or balconies for the rooms on the first floor. In Libya, Senecius grew up in and later owned such a towered country home locatable near Balagrai, in the hills about ten miles from Cyrene. His family had another close to the sea nearby, in which his brother later lived. These big rural houses were centres of an alternative world to urban Cyrene, one which Senecius relished. One such house existed near Tagaste, but it was owned by a family of absentee landlords who controlled entire villages in the country beyond the town and belonged in the highest social circles of the Roman Senate. Augustine's family were not at all of this class. Augustine later refers to his family's poor little fields, and also calls his background poor or modest in a sermon in which he wished to emphasize his relative lack of riches. In fact, Patricius, Augustine's father, and his family had enough property to rank as town councillors, 
a status, however, for which as little as twenty acres sufficed. Their resources were poor when compared with the likes of Romanianus, but not poor in terms of most of Tagaste's other inhabitants. Later in life, Augustine implies they amounted to as much as a twentieth of the income of the church in Hippo, his coastal city as bishop. However, service as a counsellor brought expensive public obligations, and Augustine's family, like many lesser counsellors, would find them a burden. Promptly after his conversion, and then for the rest of his life, Augustine belittles worldly splendour and ambition. He regards it as evidence of pride, the root of sin, and as a diversion of the soul to fleeting and unsatisfactory pleasures. Status mattered, nonetheless, and complex legal categories marked out those around him under Roman rule, as his own letters well exemplify. Some of the most recently found reveal that slave dealers still existed in...